Hi, everyone. I'm Alexis Williams, co-founder of Business Skills for Health Professionals, and welcome to our podcast, Beyond Clinical. In this podcast, we'll be interviewing health professionals from diverse backgrounds who've moved into unconventional roles beyond clinical. We'll be hearing their stories and tips in the hope that this inspires you to pursue unique career paths. So this is my third podcast, and I'm really excited to introduce my guest today, Julie Meyer. You want to say hi? Hello. Hi. Thanks, Thanks. so much for having me on. Thanks for joining. So I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about Julie, and then she will uh, go back into whole her career story, because that's one of my first questions. But Julie is a dietitian and the founder um, and chief commercial commercial officer. I got that right. Of Eat Well Global. I know you had a recent title change, so I wanted to make yeah, sure I got that right. <laughs> and Eat Well Global is a communication and consulting firm whose mission is to empower global change agents in food and nutrition. Eat Well Global is also a B Corp and certified women-owned business. Um, and also, Julie has her own podcast. She's the co-founder of Augmentors, which is a leadership platform dedicated to creating a world where all great leaders are great mentors, which I'm super excited for you to share something about. Um, they have interactive workshops and the number one mentoring podcast and, and provide speaking engagements. Um, and really their goal is to augment leadership by elevating mentoring to help leaders connect more authentically and grow to their full potential. So super excited to have you. We met I think last year, um, through yeah. a mutual connection and through your work at Eat Well Global. So it's really exciting to be talking today. So welcome. Well, and Alexis, I'm so excited that you have created this awesome platform because one of the things I love to talk about the very most is helping health professionals grow into all kinds of new careers. And you have created this incredible platform for it. So thank you for doing what's like a little dream in the back of my head and you have brought it into reality. So congratulations oh, thank to you. you. Yeah, I'm really enjoying hearing all of these great stories. I think it really just helps people see what's out there. Um, yes. When they're maybe thinking, oh, I don't know if I want to, you know, work in a hospital or work in food service, like what else can I do or work in a pharmacy? So yeah, but let's start off with a fun question. I, I wanted to know, have you got anything exciting coming up in the next little while? Ooh, anything exciting? Well, I can't believe I'm actually saying this, but I am about to turn 50. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Which feels bonkers. But yeah, I'm excited. I'm planning some fun uh, activities for that, including instead of having a party, I'm actually having what I call a prototype, um, which is a prototype of a retreat that I would like to start hosting. So Ooh. I am looking forward to creating uh, an opportunity to kind of get together with some people that I really love hearing from um, in person, because I think having, while the podcast format is great and all the Zoom is great, mm -hmm. I think having a chance to connect with people in real life is super exciting. So that's something I'm kind of excited about. I mean, I know I should be excited about something that's like a hobby, but everything to me ends no, up becoming a business. That is really exciting. I actually have a similar dream of retreats. So we need to chat about that. <laughs> Maybe not on this podcast because we'll we'll, it's we'll, early we'll, days, exactly. but <laughs> that, is, that is really exciting. I think that's a great way to celebrate prototyping. Yeah. I love it. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear, uh, take us back to the beginning and tell us about your career path and your journey as a health professional into business. 
Yeah. Well, I'll try to keep it uh, pretty brief because as I mentioned, did I just say I'm about to turn 50? You did. So I have had a long <laughs> career, but uh, you know, I think my background's a little bit untraditional when it comes to dietetics and the fact that I did not study nutrition in college. And in fact, I was a horrific science student. Mm. I was actually asked to not even take chemistry in high school. I had to take uh, basically rocks for jocks, marine biology. I was like a terrible science <laughs> student, but um, I did always, you know, was interested in nutrition. I struggled with my weight. So I knew how to like count calories and count carbs and all those kind of things. Um, and then my first job after college was in communications. Uh, I was an international relations major and I started off at a PR agency and my first account happened to be Quaker. I was either going to end up on Oracle or Quaker and it was Quaker. It was 1996 and it was the first FDA food specific health claim on a tube of oatmeal. And that was the campaign. I was on the consumer marketing side. I created the world's largest inflatable bowl of oatmeal. I created the world's (laughs) longest oatmeal topping bar, but I got a chance to meet dietitians who were working on the campaign as consultants. And I traveled with Mary Donkersloat, Rhymes with Oat. If you don't know her, she's an awesome RD out in California. And her and I traveled together uh, to do these media engagements. And she kept saying, Julie, you should become a dietitian. And I thought, well, yeah, all right, cool. I'll do that. And I had parents that were professional services business owners. My dad owned a accounting firm. My mom owned a real estate company. So I knew I would probably own my own organization. So after about two and a half years working at the PR agency, the ripe age of, you know, 25, I quit threw the corporate world aside and went back to school to become a dietitian so that I could be a consultant working in communications, uh, in nutrition communications. So that's how I started off on the nutrition communications path. I, of course, was in clinical in my internship, spent the whole entire time just hoping I would pass because I knew (laughs) I wasn't going to do that. I failed my RD exam the first time I took it, uh, although actually I was three days away from having my first daughter. So that was probably had something to do with it. That's fair. Barely (laughs) passed it the second time. Um, But, uh, you know, I've managed to use dietetics to create a business. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so cool. I love, I love hearing how it wasn't the smooth journey that, (laughs) because we we hear that a lot, right? It's, it's not easy. It's a hard profession to get in. And, you know, we all come from different backgrounds and very interesting that you went the route of communications. And that's what led you to kind of build this nutrition and communications company. Um, What do you think really helped you kind of on your journey? Um, throughout starting a business and, um, yeah, just the career change that you went through. I think I spent a lot of time with entrepreneurs and I think there's probably two to three things that are really key. If you are looking to embark on an entrepreneurial journey. So I know you have a lot of different folks on here Mm -hmm. talking about different things. And so I'll speak specifically about starting a business versus maybe, communications or what have you in general. Mm -hmm. Like, so for me, for starting a business, you need to be relentlessly optimistic and Mm -hmm. have an unfettering belief that you are going to be successful. I think if you don't have that, there are dark days. And if you Mm -hmm. don't believe in yourself, you're going to have a really hard time. The second thing you need is support. 
Mm-hmm. I always talk about the fact that I have a lot of privilege because I am married to somebody who has insurance and mm-hmm. loves working a corporate job. So because mm-hmm. of his stability, I have been able to be on an entrepreneurial journey, which has turned out to be very successful, thank God. But at the same time, you know, I know that there's a lot of people where their paycheck puts money on the, you know, puts mm-hmm. food on the table. And so I had a lot of privilege by having somebody who was mm-hmm. able to at least get the insurance and what have you while I could build the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the third thing is also really recognizing what you are good at and being totally cool with filling all the gaps with other people. Mm-hmm. I think if you can really recognize like, this is my strength, I cannot do everything. I'm going to bring the best people together to be part of my organization so it can grow that, you know, you can't, you cannot live without that. So I think having relentless optimism, you're going to be successful. If you can find support, which mm-hmm. can also be, you know, a lot of different ways, Yeah, obviously you can get loans and what have you. And then the third is just filling with the best team on the planet, which is exactly what I have at Eatwell Global. I mean, you know, some of the team members there, mm-hmm. they're the absolute best. So that's my three, I think three things I, I, I can't remember what your first question was. No, what helped you on the journey? Yeah, I, <laughs> I think those are journey? great. Yes, that's it. <laughs> I think those are really important. Um, the last one too, uh, you know, this comes to play with leadership in general. I think a lot of us tend to think about hiring people that are like us, which is exactly the opposite of what you need to do. And I've had that experience too, where even starting this business with Melanie, we're very different. She is not as much into the marketing and the being out there doing things like this that I quite enjoy, but she's great at sitting down and developing great courses and content. So it's a really nice partnership um, there because, you know, we are quite different and we have that different skill set. but I completely agree with you. I also think it is very hard starting out um, to try to do everything yourself. I am trying that. And there are days <laughs> where I'm like, I did invest in some marketing support. And I'm like, wow, I should have done that a long time ago. Because even this podcast, like getting it going and how, what are all the ways you can optimize a podcast? Those marketing people, they know their stuff when it comes to that. Yes. That's <laughs> why yes. there are experts. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And even the other things you said, the optimism, I think it can be very tough. Uh, There's a lot of ups and downs and days where you're like, is this going to work? But you kind of have to keep that North star of belief in yourself. hundred percent. So important. Well, thank you for that. I always tell people, and maybe I even shared this with you when you and I first Mm -hmm. started talking, like there's no chance you will not be successful doing this. There is zero chance that you will not be successful doing this. You just, mm-hmm. it's just putting in the work and the reps and the day in, day out. Like there is no chance that what you're bringing will not be successful. It just yeah. is going to take probably more time than you think. And there'll be more twists in the road than you think. So, yeah. um, yeah, you just have I to actually love you that you keep just at it. put the fitness analogy in there. Cause I did it. I, I've done triathlons for a long time. And, you know, when I first signed up for an Ironman that I did way back when, <laughs> I was like, there's no way, like, how am I actually going to do this? But it's the same thing. It's repeated effort and you just keep training. It's, it's that concept of, you know, continuously showing up for your business, doing the things, doing them again. And, you know, eventually it sticks and it's a lot like, uh, you know, there's a lot of parallels I'm finding with 
food and nutrition and fitness behavior change and entrepreneurship. Like there's a lot going on there for sure. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what skills, I, I know you came from maybe more of a business background with your, your undergrad degree, but what do you think your key skills that you learned early on in starting your business that helped you were? Yeah. Uh, having a community, if anybody who's listening has ever worked at a PR agency, I can tell you that is like getting a PhD in resourcefulness because mm. when you are very junior in a PR agency and it was a very fast paced environment, we were all in the office. We didn't have the internet, which was even mm-hmm. like so bonkers. <laughs> we were just so resourceful. Like we would figure out how to call 411 in like Des Moines and like ask mm. for stuff. I mean, it was just crazy. So I think having some real resourcefulness, um, mm-hmm. I'd say was one of the first things that I really felt like I needed, um, to have, oh my God, I totally forgot your question. <laughs> no key skills that you learned on the way. Key skills. Key skills that's yeah. it. I was like, where did I resourcefulness? Go we got one <clears throat> resourcefulness. Um, I'd say the other thing is, um, I mean, again, it's like obviously a bit of optimism, right? Like Mm -hmm. there is like when you work in a PR agency, no is never, ever the answer. Right. (laughs) Until you have scoured the earth. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And uncovered every single rock possible. (laughs) It is actually not like not possible is not, especially when working in consumer PR, which is these crazy engagements and all that. So I think just being resourceful and like, you know, or, or just like being relentlessly, like trying to mm-hmm. find the answers to things. Um, and I mean, of course, in our work, it's all about client service organization, like having everything really buttoned up. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing I'd say is depending upon who you're working with, which I think is the same for clients as it is for, um, for uh, behavior change or working with you know corporate clients or working with clients in a, mm-hmm. uh, in a one-on-one setting is understanding where they're coming from. Um, and mm-hmm. really like when we start on a client project, we immediately want to understand what is the problem that we're trying to solve and what have been yes. the barriers thus far. Um, so I think really trying to get in the head, not just like, I'm just going to keep giving you more information mm-hmm. until you hear what I'm saying versus mm-hmm. like, okay, what is really going on with this person? They're saying this, but I think it might actually be this other thing being able to really get in behind it. Um, I think that's really key. I love that one. And we actually talk a lot about the parallels of health professional skills to business. And that's one of them being something called client centered care, which is exactly what you just said. It's, you know, when you're meeting with a client in maybe a counseling setting, you really need to understand what their problem is and, you know, what, where they're coming from, what are their pain points? It's exactly the same in business that there's a term, you know, uh, customer centricity, <laughs> like that's a business yes. term. It means kind of the same thing. And that's, we talk a lot about things that mean similar things from clinical into kind of more of a business corporate setting, but absolutely like marketing. I feel like there's a lot of parallels in marketing to being a really great counselor, um, that maybe health professionals don't realize they have those transferable skills. So I love that you yes. brought that up. <laughs> totally. Totally. It's all about the why. Yeah. The why, like, why, why are you struggling with this? You know, whether it's a company or a person. So yeah, very interesting. Um, what would you say are some of the biggest challenges you faced in your career? Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, we do have a little bit Where of shall time. We start? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd say, I mean, I feel like I've been really lucky. Um, 
I do have to say, I do feel like there is an element of like, I think you either are an entrepreneur. I don't want to say either you are or you're not. Like it definitely can mm-hmm. be learned, but I think there are people who are just like, oh, that's not for me. And I think that's also great. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to say that like off the yeah. right, off the bat, that I don't think it's like for everybody, but I think that for me, I absolutely have um, you know, I just have it kind of in my bones. I think that really helps me. Um, Mm -hmm. because when you face challenges, then that really is, you know, kind of what gets you through it. So I think challenge for me is I, nothing happens as fast as I want it to. Mm -hmm. You're not patient. (laughs) (laughs) I am not patient. Uh, I'm sure anybody who knows me well knows I am not patient. Um, so the process that it takes to get to where you are, like Mm -hmm. you have, you know, exactly what you're doing. Both my businesses have had really odd starts, tried different things. It kind of didn't work, but you kind of know that you're just trying to figure it out. That phase of business is so like delicious and exciting, but it's so frustrating because you're like, I just want like to know if this is going to work. So I'd say having some patience during that time Mm -hmm. is like, is really important. And that was probably some of the biggest challenges for me was just, again, doing Mm -hmm. those reps like yeah. waiting until things kick, kick in. And then on the other side, when they do kick in and when you've kind of established a bigger organization, I think because of my entrepreneurial nature, then I'm a bit more like, okay, cool. Like that now has a lot of structure. And, mm-hmm. and then I, I do kind of enjoy still that part where you're like in development and the ideas mm-hmm. are forming and you're seeing, is there a market fit and you're being able to kind of craft a brand. Mm-hmm. Um, that part's really exciting for me too. So I'm grateful that I get a chance to sort of have my hand in a lot of these different phases of the business. Yeah. And I can see that where you've, you know, you've built Eat Well Global. It's pretty established now. You have quite a large team, like yeah, uh, 25, 25, 25, 26. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure like a lot of things kind of Mm -hmm. run without you on a daily basis. And now you have this opportunity to do other things, right? Like you've, you've got your podcast and augmenters. Uh, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about how has that kind of helped with keeping things fresh and being in that development stage? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And I think, yeah, it's just, I think part of that entrepreneur, again, like it's sort of ingrained in you. You can't kind mm-hmm. of like get rid of it, but you're always like, Ooh, I see an opportunity. I see something new. And I think they're so complimentary because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I love just the idea of supporting leaders and using mentoring principles and ways that we can kind of help build up you know, our mission is empowering global change agents in food and nutrition. And so much of that is like empowering exactly the work mm-hmm. you're doing, empowering health professionals to be more business-minded and to mm-hmm. um, be able to help kind of solve so many problems that we have uh, in nutrition. And I think what's been fun about Augmenters is that um, it's just been fun having a podcast and having a chance to have really creative conversations. We have, we're almost on our hundredth episode, which is so crazy to me. Um, and it's just given us a chance to meet so many interesting different people Um, and hear about all different kinds of experiences. I think we do kind of get into a little bit of a bubble in the Mm -hmm. dietitian, health professional food world. You forget that there's like all of these other incredible things happening out there. So it's been nice to get a chance to kind of lift my head above the Mm -hmm. dietitian world a bit too. That's really, I think that's actually kind of a great piece of advice is when you think about um, you know, maybe your, your networking that you do as a health professional, make sure you go outside of your profession and look for opportunities 
with people in totally different industries to have, you know, coffee chats with and, you know, talk to people at companies that you're interested in working at, even if they're not in a health role, just, I think there's a lot of value in just having some of those conversations to learn, you know, different backgrounds and where they come from. And if you think about it, like food hasn't changed that much in the last 20 some years. And my husband Mm -hmm. worked in media uh, and he like his business revolutionarily, Mm -hmm. like completely blew. Like he used to work on set top, you know, he used to work on like regular TV, broadcast TV, and then he worked on cable TV. And then it's like, it just, so like, think of our industry has not changed. Like we still eat, you know, protein and vegetables. Like obviously there's Mm -hmm. some changes, but spending time with people who have been in those kind of industries that have retail, the retail revolutionarily changed and hear those stories. I think that helps us stay fresh as well. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a really interesting point. I hadn't really thought of that. And it's funny because I, I recently got back to doing a little bit of niche counseling in an area that I'm passionate about, which is endurance sports nutrition. And it had been a while and I'm pleasantly, but also a little bit surprised that not very much has really actually changed. Like there's a lot of new products, like way more products than when I, you know, was doing this before, but like it's still, you know, the same principles of feeling your body and recovering. And, you know, it, it, it is interesting. You're right. Like so many industries have had just such massive, like turned on their head changes. And yeah, it's, it's good to kind of be around people who've been through that. Cause I think it helps with your openness to change, which and is lack super of, and important. And then you have less fear, right? Less mm-hmm. fears. I think that fear of change is really what keeps us potentially some of your listeners in like a very, yeah, you know, that fear of like change and change could be amazing. It's a, it's a, it's a gain and a loss. I think that's always important to remember with change. It's a gain and a loss. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people fear, um, going into something that they don't maybe know a lot about, or they don't have all the skills. Can, I don't know. I'm just gonna, that's an off the cuff question, but like how I'm sure you had did that. And how did that go for you when you (laughs) jumped into things that you didn't really maybe know all have all the requirements for. <laughs> I know that's a little bit the story of my life. Um, uh, my mom used to always just say, fake it till you make it, which mm-hmm. is great advice, except when you are working in clinical nutrition, you should not fake it. No, <laughs> <laughs> don't like make a TPN recommendation and be like, ah, I don't know. fake it till I make it. Um, yeah, I think just having a yeah, having a little bit again that confidence because there are definitely professions where people don't, you know, know a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All of the non-credentialed influencers mm-hmm. and they act like they know a lot. I think mm-hmm. if we can take a little bit of that, you know, chutzpah as we say here in mm-hmm. Brooklyn, um and be maybe, you know, a little bit more confident we don't necessarily have to have all of the answers perfectly buttoned up before we get out to talk about things. I think we can maybe have a little bit more confidence. Um, and then know, like, if we don't know the answer, we can say, we don't know the answer. We can find out the answer, but yeah, I think we can boost that confidence a little bit. I think so. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think that's a lot of it is just feeling confident in your ability to get the information you need. You don't need it all and you can't actually retain it all. Um, no. Like for me, learning is so situationally specific. I need to learn about what I need for that specific time of my career. And then that information, it, it kind of has to go away for a bit, but I know where to get yes. it if I need it again. And I feel like that was really important for me going into business was 
okay, I don't, I, there's a lot of things I don't know, but I can figure out ways of finding them um, and, you know, ask people lots of questions and be confident in yes. that because that can be hard for a lot of people. Totally. Totally. Yeah. But I think it's important. Like, I think that's how, mm. that's how you learn and that's how you grow. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So advice that you have, Julie, for someone that's maybe yeah. considering they've, they've maybe worked in clinical for a bit, but they're really interested in getting into something like communications or working at a food company or working in pharmaceutical. I don't know, lots of different options out there these days. Yeah, absolutely. There's a couple of things I can think of. The first one is ask a lot of questions, mm -hmm. find, you know, it doesn't even necessarily have to be a mentor, but it can be informational interviews. I'm sure you do this yeah. a ton. I do mm -hmm. as well. People reach out to me and say, Hey, I saw what you're doing. I'd love to just hear a little bit about your story. And we book a half an hour and you get a chance to just hear from somebody on the ground in a different industry. Like what did they do or how did they get mm -hmm. there? You know, you can just get a little bit of a view inside. And I think people are quite open to having those kind of conversations because they probably did that themselves. So they're just paying it mm -hmm. back. Um, the second one is joining, at least if you are a academy member in the US, we have a lot of dietetic practice groups. So it's a great way to join dietitians. Mm -hmm. I can't remember DBC, dietitians in business and communication. Yes. Or you can join, um, you know, webinars, there's nutrition mm -hmm. entrepreneurs, you can sort of as a low lift while you're continuing your clinical job, like join some of these groups where mm -hmm. um, dietitians who are working in different spaces are connecting. And then if you're ready to take a little bit of a leap, I am a big fan of a side hustle and I'm a mm. big fan of dipping your toe into other things while you still have a job. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I've always started something while I had something else. I've never just like cut clean and just started mm -hmm. fresh because I feel like you wanted to see, do you like it? Do you not mm -hmm. like it? Like, can you see yourself doing this kind of work? Like what's your day going to be like? So maybe do a little bit of consulting, maybe consult mm -hmm. on a brochure for a pharmaceutical company, or maybe start a blog and start writing. You know, if you want to see if maybe comms is really interesting to you, if you're interested in communications or start your own TikTok channel, like it doesn't even mm -hmm. have to be something that's paid necessarily, but just start building some skills in that area without being like this job ends, this job yeah. ends. Um, and also you might not get hired honestly it's without true. any kind of experience. So for example, we have, you know, gratefully a lot of um, interest in working at eat well global, which we're very thankful mm -hmm. for, but of course we have to look, if we have a hundred candidates, we have to look for ones that have experience in the area mm -hmm. that we work in mm -hmm. versus somebody who has no experience in comms, but it's just thinks they might be good at it or mm -hmm. thinks they might like it, but hasn't really proven that, um, it would be unlikely that they would be somebody who would um, be mm -hmm. a fit for us. Yeah. I think that's great advice. And it, it actually was a big part of my career too, was starting out working more clinical roles, but doing a side hustle of writing, uh, <laughs> wrote for a running magazine when there were actually print magazines. Imagine. <laughs> I know. Um, but I remember taking those printed articles to interviews where I was looking at getting outside of that space. And that really helped like having kind yeah. of those examples of other work that you'd done, um, even if it, it wasn't paid, but you know, it led to a lot of great things and it can lead to a lot of great things in your career. So I think that's a really 
good one. And definitely the concept of prototyping. You said that at the beginning about your birthday coming up. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had a bit of a career crisis in 2021, left, left a big job and then took another one that didn't work out. And I took a course called Design Your Life. And mm. uh, it was actually called Life Design, but it was based on this book called Design Your Life, um, which is basically that concept of, you know, exploring your passions and values and figuring out ways to prototype things that you might want to do. And I had this idea of starting business skills for health professionals. And I was like, okay, I got to build like this repertoire of courses before I do anything, before I even start talking about it. And through that course and shout out to Ingo, my coach through that course, he's like, just one run one webinar, like yeah. a simple webinar and see if there's any like uptick for this. And I followed that advice. And I think it was really valuable early on to start small and test things out. Um, and you can even do that through things like job shadowing. And, you know, like you said, meeting with people, because you may think you like this industry, but then you start getting into it. And you're like, mm, that's not like you accept the job. And, you know, uh, anyway, but <laughs> well, and I think I love what you're saying. I think even, and that's, thank you for sharing that story. I think also like sometimes people think I want to go into private practice and mm -hmm. like, I want to be a full-time private practice. And like, that is a hustle. That's a tough yeah. job. I never did it, but I know, you know, mm -hmm. people who have. So I think that's also a great way of like, okay, take Saturday mornings and see three clients and see like, is that something that I want to be doing? There's lots of ways to be able to dip your toe in. Yeah. Um, or work in another dietitian's it, practice, right? Like work for another dietitian totally. that's in private practice. That's a great opportunity. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Right. What were you going to say? No, no. I was going to say uh, exactly that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Um, okay. What are some of your goals for this year? Personal development Ooh. or just kind of big, hairy, audacious goals? goals. <laughs> Ooh, wow. That's a big question. I would say from a personal development standpoint, I'm always working on just trying to be, uh, be really being more patient as I discussed at the beginning, yeah. I'm quite like very fast moving. And, um, I think being a better listener, I would say that's one of the things that I've really learned a lot in augmenters is how important active listening is in mentoring relationships. Mm. And I think being a better, more empathetic listener is something I'm working on you know, I have, well, I have teenage daughters are actually now in college, which is crazy. Um, so I get a chance to practice with them. And of course, mm -hmm. with my business partners uh, and my team at Eat Well Global, and then Jimmy, my Augmenters partner is just continuing to slow down, really listen to what's going on, you know, and be a bit more like empathetic and be able to problem solve better by practicing better listening. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like that's something an opportunity I always have to work on. And then at the same time, there's so much exciting things I'm seeing in the connection between physical well-being and emotional well-being and the connectedness between relationships and mm. having healthy relationships in your emotional well-being. So from sort of a macro standpoint, I think seeing that connection, especially working in these two sort of areas, um, I'm continuing to see more and more how that well-being paradigm um, includes our connected relationships as well as our physical mm -hmm. health. And I think that's really exciting. Yeah. And I think it's very needed, right? Like as we like look where we are with the world and a lot more is happening online, but how do we keep connected and, you know, maintain that 
sense of well-being because I, I agree with you. I think that's a huge one. Totally, yeah. Totally. And that sounds like that's part of your motivation to prototype something in person, yeah. like a retreat. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Very cool. Okay. Here's a, here's another question about kind of how you manage every week and all the things that you probably have to get done. What is one thing that you do each week that you feel like either personally or professionally that really sets you up for success? Okay. This is a great question. I think I have for a very long time, I journal every morning when I wake mm. up, I get up, I make coffee, of course, cause I drink mm-hmm. tons of coffee. How else would all this stuff get done? Yep. And I, um, I write and actually Mark Champagne, who we were just talking about, who was on my podcast on augmenters. I think he's like episode 94 or something. Um, is a mental fitness strategist. And he spent a lot of our episode talking about journaling. So it was fun to kind of hear his take Mm. on it. So, and I generally write like three intentions for the day, not necessarily like three things I'm going to get done, Mm -hmm. but three ways I want to show up in various conversations or different things that are happening so that I know that I'm kind of anchored in my day. So sometimes that can be like, like, you know, you know, you're going to have a hard conversation, just be mm-hmm. calm and listen, or, yeah. you know, don't forget to close that deal Yeah. <laughs> or like, <laughs> or, you know, like, okay, be nice to your mom when you talk to her later. Or like, you know, those kind of things that are just like, just little reminders mm-hmm. for myself and setting that intention with myself in the morning. And then I can kind of go back the next day and be like, nope, wasn't patient. <laughs> nope. Didn't close the deal. <laughs> was pretty nice to my mom. I tried, she pushed my buttons or, you know, like whatever. <laughs> um, but I think setting that intention in the morning is, is a great practice. I love that. I actually do something similar, uh, with cool. journaling. Yeah. I, I really find that valuable to just kind of write how I want the day to go. Um, and usually it's related to staying calm, getting my kids off to school. (laughs) That's a big one (laughs) that is almost on there every day. So I can relate to that, (laughs) that being patient one that you said with your mom. (laughs) Totally. Totally. Yeah. It's it's a good way to frame it. Like it doesn't hurt. It doesn't make Mm -hmm. it worse. Yeah. Um, And some days it really makes it better. Yeah. I think you're right though. It gives you that start to your day to kind of say like, this is the mental state I want to be in for the day. Yes. And as you drift out of it, maybe you'll kind of remember it and you know, it'll, it'll be in your mind at least. So that's, that's totally. great advice. Awesome. Well, anything else you'd like to share with well, I think audience. we should start a journal journal prompts for dietitians yes. in the morning. That should be our like next. It. You can subscribe <laughs> to daily journal prompts from Alexis and Julie. I on like how it. to start your day for success <laughs> as a dietitian. Then we'll be like, did you have a healthy breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> did you did have you drink your coffee? Water. <laughs> um, no, I'd say, I mean, more than I think, again, like I just really am so excited about the work that you're doing because I know our experience working within food companies when dietitians are in leadership positions good stuff happens oh. there is sometimes a little bit of a controversy about working with the food industry for dietitians mm-hmm. but my personal belief is that we have to be inside the organization to make change and mm-hmm. we have to be affecting the organization to make change just shutting them out isn't going to help so the more dietitians who get business training, who have these Mm -hmm. incredible business skills, who know 
you know, the importance of balancing impact and profit and are in the marketing departments or in the sales departments, they are in the C-suite, the better the food system is going to be. So the work that you're doing is actually impact work to impact the food system. Yes. For the next, however many years. I'm so glad you said that because that is, that's really what keeps me going (laughs) in what I'm doing is every day I kind of go, why am I doing this again? And I remind myself that having, yeah, having health professionals makes companies do better things. Having, having dietitians makes food companies produce better products. And I recently did a talk called why dietitians are the leaders the world needs now. And I feel like you'll, you'll like this, but it was a lot to do with also having the skills that a health professional brings to a leadership role is really helpful for things like empathy, things like active listening that we learn in counseling and all of those skills really transfer well to leadership. And I think it's such an important thing in the time that we're in with, you know, high rates of burnout, um, with employees and, and people are just, you know, people are struggling. And I think having an empathetic leader that kind of gets wellness is going to be incredibly valuable. So those are kind of my two, like, I'm excited because I want more dietitians in the C-suite and I want them, these companies to do better things. And I know that like getting people into these roles is going to do that. So I'm really glad you said that. And it's super exciting for me. I totally see it. I totally see it. And I think that's your contribution. You know, sometimes like because we work with the food industry, well, global people like, well, what about community gardens? What about whatever? It's like, yes, 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 yes. We need everything. Mm -hmm. And this happens to be our way of making impact. So for you, this is your way of making impact. And it's, it's really important. Of course, we need everybody and everything, but uh, I really appreciate the work that you're doing. Well, thank you. And thank you so much for, for joining me today. And um, I don't know if you want to share anything more. I I love your podcast, Augmentors. So you can find it. It's on all the channels. Yeah. We're on all the platforms. Um, we we check, actually sort of intentionally stay away from nutrition and food related topics mm-hmm. because um, my business partner also owned a food company. We feel like the whole thing could be filled with food people. So we yes. actually keep it quite separate uh, intentionally, but also please follow along on Eat Well Global. We're on obviously on LinkedIn and Instagram mm-hmm. and we have um, a lot of great resources. We have an Eat Well Connect network that dietitians are welcome to join for free. We have um, also our Sustainable Digest monthly report that comes out. Um, So definitely follow along with everything happening there as well. Yeah, it's great content if you're working in the food industry. I've been subscribing for a while now, and I really value you've got you guys have some great content for food leaders like us. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Well, I hope you enjoyed hearing from Julie today, uh, and maybe you're feeling a little bit inspired. Um, but just want to plug a few things. Our Facebook community, it's called Business Skills for Health Professionals Community. Um, it's growing steadily. We're up to almost 100 members. And I'm posting jobs Amazing. actually every week, both a US and a Canada thread for now, um, of kind of unconventional roles um, that health professionals can look at. So definitely check that out. I'll link it in the show notes. Um, we also have a brand new program. It's called our Beyond Clinical Career Transition Program. And it's really there to support you in these career transitions. Um, And I'll link that as well in the show notes, but you can check it out on our website, which is www.bizskillsforhps.com. It's in the services section. And again, I'll put it in the show notes. So thank you so much, Julie. And 
I really enjoyed having you. Great conversation. I did too. Thanks so much, Alexis. Bye. Thank you. Bye.